Well, hello, my Bear Insider people. It has been a while. I am Mike Pulaski, and we haven't talked since, well, right before the bowl game. And took a little time off from college football, covered a little pro football. Uh, but now we are back. We are officially in the offseason, getting ready for spring ball. So today, I wanted to talk to you, bring you Mike Blesch. He's a coach. Uh, a, was the O-line coach here, and I always love O-liners and O-line coaches. Now the offensive coordinator obviously took over for Jake Spavadol. And uh, I, I think I think we're going to like what he brings to the party. Again, O-liners coaching that offensive line group. Um, he throws the ball, but he also loves to run the ball and set the mentality. And so we, we have, we're going to have a conversation about culture, about the NIL, about recruiting, about all those things that are going on in college football. And what Cal's offense is going to look like under him. There's some staff changes, some new recruits. We'll talk about that all in a minute. So... Right now, let's talk to new O coordinator, Mike Blesch. And coach, we talked last year uh, when you came on as the O-line coach. Now, as the new offensive coordinator, a uh, whole new role, whole new position here at Cal. I know you've done it before. What is the new director for the offense when you come in? I think continue to keep pushing forward. Obviously, you know, we saw improvement offensively last year. We, we know that there's still a lot of improvement out there for us. Um, I'm excited about the amount of guys that have played football that we have coming back. I say it all the time. Everybody talks about freshmen and transfers, and there's no substitute for experience and for guys that have been in game reps. Um, so I'm just excited to keep pushing this thing forward. Uh, I've got some new staff members here. Got some new players coming in. I uh, think we're going to create some competition at some spots that needed some more competition and uh, keep pushing forward and, and making sure that we can be successful uh, come fall. Now, so this fall, obviously, Coach Spavadol taking off before the bowl game. You kind of get thrown into the bowl game. I know you're part of the offense and always suggesting plays, right? Offensive line coaches always want to run the ball, so I get that. Yeah. But, like, going from, you know, the O-line coach suggesting plays to your coordinator calling plays, how much of a change was that for you going into the game? I know you've done it before just in this system at Cal – it was a new role for you. What was that like? Yeah, so it was obviously some different verbiage uh, than kind of my offense that I had whenever I was the offensive coordinator at North Texas. So having to kind of adjust to the way that SPAF had structured the offense to be called because it was only about a 10 to 12-day window there between him taking the Baylor job and us playing in the bowl game. In the meantime, the portal was open. We had official visits. We were on the road recruiting, trying to finish our recruiting class. We had bowl prep. Um, so obviously, we're, nothing changed really between um, the end of the season and the bowl game from a schematic standpoint. And uh, we, you know, we had to move Tim Plow at that time, who had taken the Davis job. We had to move him to coach the quarterbacks, and there was a lot of moving parts. So I'm I'm excited to. Uh, this spring to settle in with our staff, get everybody on the same page, get our players all speaking the same language and, and move this thing forward. And boy, I mean, just in retrospect of that, college football has become like such a hyper mobile place for players, coaches, systems, like people moving all the time. What is your take on it right now as a guy who's living in it and trying to kind of find the space? I think everybody's looking for the right answers. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's obviously changed. I've, I've been doing this. I just finished my 10th college football season. I coached Texas high school football for five years before I got into the college game. But it's it's in one decade, I mean, completely unrecognizable. And um, the, the thing that I tell people all the time is there's only so many so much that I can control. There's only so much that we as coaches can control. Whatever the recruiting calendar looks like, whatever the portal windows are going to be, uh, whatever the collective can raise for NIL, like all of that stuff is out of our hands as coaches. So at the end of the day, we're going to do our best to try to get the best players in here, the best coaches in here, to recruit, develop, uh, try to keep it as traditional as we can. But there's also those there's X factors out there that are out of your control. I mean it. That you hear it, you read about it, you read about people trying to purge your roster, people trying to tamper with players. Um, so not only now is it about, you know, going out and recruiting players that can help you win. It's and I think we do a really good job of of creating relationships and 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 our guys here are feeling like this is a place that they can be successful and they're around people that care about them and they want to stay because I think that's the biggest thing now, as in my opinion, in college football. You know, me and me and Coach Wilcox talked about it right after the season. To me, the most important thing after our bowl game was the retention of our best players. And we have to retain our best players and then go ahead and add some 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 more talent, some more competition around those guys. But if your best players are rolling in and out every year and they're moving on to, to different places that they feel, I mean, it's just it becomes unsustainable at that point. No doubt. You lose all that teaching and all that effort that went into those players and then the leadership from them, right? Because those are the guys that everybody looks to in terms of behavior, in terms of culture. So if you if you start losing those guys, which you have put your time and effort and, you know, the team, some of the invested the team in, you, you end up in a lot of trouble. And and how hard is it, like, so we're going off a little bit of a ta- tangent, but how hard is it to build culture in this constantly evolving, constantly revolving uh, environment that is college football? Man, I think culture comes from consistency. Um, obviously, we have consistency at our head coaching spot. You know, uh, I've been telling recruits now, if you look up and down the West Coast, the longest tenured head coach on the West Coast is Justin Wilcox. So if you want some continuity, you want some consistency, you want somebody that does things the right way and is here for a reason, then come play for Justin Wilcox and come be a part of what we're building. But just the consistency from us as a as a coaching staff of the way that we communicate, the way that we set expectations for our players. Uh, the more we can do that, then I think the culture kind of cultivates within that. And then, you know, obviously retaining the players that have been around here and been in a bunch of battles. And they, they understand what it takes. They understand what it looks like. They know what winning feels like. They know what losing feels like. And so those guys become kind of the guys that drive this thing forward and, uh, you know, keep everybody else accountable. Right. And then, of course, it's process, right? What is the process? Everybody has to be in on board with the process, and the process is the next step. So, you know, it's always it's – it's an interesting battle these days. When I was recruited and played college football way back in the single face bar, you know, mask days, uh, nobody was leaving anywhere. No, there right. weren't very many transfers. I didn't, know, I didn't know you could transfer whenever – I mean – You couldn't. When I, I played, I, you couldn't. Like, yeah, if you yeah. left, it was a two-year death sentence, so you were right. not going to play. Right. And so uh, – but it's changed a lot. I, I, You know, I think in fairness to the players, something has had to happen for a long, long time, right? It's a huge money-making – 
enterprise, and so the players needed it. So all that aside, oh, I'm all, I'm all for those guys making money. I mean, that's, yeah, they they deserve it. You know, Lord knows everybody else is making money, so um, they they deserve they deserve to get it. I, I just think, you know, the we can go down another rabbit hole with yes, with that, this, that one could take hours. Yeah, the financial implications of everything, you know, just. It's got to be at some point. There's got to be a cap, or, or you know, if we're going to set up an NFL model, let's set up an NFL model. Yeah, it's yeah. There just has to be consistency from team to team, right? right. It's the wild west right now, and so teams are out there buying teams. Colleges are so. <clears throat> that's right. But, but regardless, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. We're not going to solve that on this podcast. But what we are going to solve is the running game. So talk to me. I mean, I know as the O line coach, you're coming in, O coordinator, running the football is going to be near and dear to your heart. What can we expect differently? Uh, as we watch Cal football this year with you calling plays? Uh, I think you'll see you'll see a, a mentality across the board. Um, you know, that was a big thing that I came in and, and really addressed with the offensive line when I got here a year ago is, is getting those guys to believe in what we're doing, getting them to buy into the scheme, the technique, the fundamentals, and, and – I say this all the time. If you turn on college football, everybody runs the same place. Oh, yeah. Everybody Every runs level, right? inside zone. Everybody runs Y cross. Everybody runs four verts. Um, the way that we're going to teach, install, develop our players and, and have a mentality about the way we do things. It's not what we do. It's how we do it. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to really putting my my stamp on these guys and, and this offense as we move forward. That was one of the things when I watched your offense at North Texas, that those big dudes were getting after it. And it's one thing that I think, and I talked about on the radio this year, watching the Cal offensive linemen, historically, the Cal offensive line is a dominant group, right? They're smart, they can move, they're big, they're, and they have a blue-collar mentality to them. And it felt to me like you brought a lot of that back this year. Uh, how how did you like how they performed this year? What would you like to see them improve? I definitely feel like those guys bought into what what we were trying to do. You know, I, I had a blast coaching those guys this past year. Uh, just seeing the growth from whenever I walked in the door in January to when we walked off the field at the end of the bowl game. Just really proud of those guys. The 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 development, the buy-in that we had out of that group. And and they and they remained tight and, and accepted me into that room. So I'm very grateful for that. Um I think obviously we saw we saw improvement in the run game. Uh we saw improvement in the, in our protection statistically in our protection numbers uh as far as sacks allowed and and time in the pocket and things like that. But we've got to continue to raise the bar. And I told those guys that you know, when we came back from our winter break, I said, everything we do now is we, we're what we finished the season at. That is now the ground floor of who we're going to be as an offensive line. And so uh, it's been really fun just the last couple of weeks. We've been starting to get back around them, do some meetings and get around those guys like we're night and day, just mentally, uh, emotionally, physically. We're just night and day from where we were a year ago. And feel like we have really four guys that four returning starters coming back. You know, you've got TJ and Siawape. You've got Matthew Wyckoff and Bastion Sweeney, who both played a ton at that left guard spot. And then, you know, have some different 
some young guys and some transfer guys coming in. So I'm, I'm just excited about where that room's going. And them obviously, the, the O-line has to be the heartbeat of what we're going to do. Uh, they have to help us set the tone for the mentality we're going to play with offensively. And, you know, for us to be able to win games down the stretch like we like we did last year, uh, we're gonna have to be run. We're gonna have to run the ball to close out games and and go win on the road and and do those type of things. So uh, it'll it'll dang sure start with those guys. Yeah, for sure. The not so slim fellas, you know, up front are really the key to everything. Because I tell people all the time they want to talk scheme and X's and O's and like you you said it. Everybody's doing the same stuff. Like everybody's right. running power. Everybody's running counter. Everybody's running inside zone, zone read. Like everybody's doing it. There's four verts. There's Y cross. There's you know, it, it's just there's certain combinations you can run, but the big guys. If you win in the trenches, no matter what you're running, you win more often on the scoreboard. And that and that's, that's just right. that's that's, that, right. that's the only way that football works. You know, you can have all the scheme in the world, but if you're getting your ass kicked up front, you're getting your ass kicked. That's right. <laughs> and that's it. Well, so, and, and I actually that's a conversation that Justin and I had whenever he he promoted me to offensive coordinator and. You know, whenever I first took the offensive coordinator job at North Texas, I came in as a first-time offensive coordinator when I took that job, and I I chose to be the offensive coordinator and the offensive line coach, which is pretty rare. I think yeah. there's only probably about eight to ten of us in college football right now that are doing that. Um, but I know exactly what you're saying. It doesn't matter what I call. I'm not gonna stand. I'm not gonna sit here and and act like I'm the smartest guy in the room or I created football. All right. I, but I do know that doesn't matter what we do or what we call. If those guys are good, we're going to be just fine. Yeah, and as long as you know the answers to the defensive puzzle, right? It doesn't have to That's be right. super deep. If they're playing cover three, I can run hitches. I can take the flats. I can do, or I can try to run the ball. Right? That's if, right. If they're playing cover two, how do I beat that? If they have, have those answers, but you went up front, you win. Now, right. That's it's right. that simple. So it, when you boil it down to college football, becomes a much simpler game. The trick. And it has always been the trick is getting optimum performance out of your players within those schemes. That's correct. And having one or two wrinkles that then, you know, you find a way you, you gash somebody, you create a seam somewhere, but you know, the, the, the trick to me, and it's always been, I'm actually writing a book about it right now is about maximizing, optimizing human performance from the guys around you. That's right. So I think that's, that's where the proof of a really good coach comes out. X's and O's are great, but you can see in the Super Bowl we saw it. Wrong decisions can get you in trouble. If your guys can dominate up front, it doesn't matter. You can make some bad decisions and get away with it. So, right. Uh, all right. Recruiting just ended. I know that uh, we were just talking about it before we went on air that you got a little bit of a break after recruiting. It can be a grind for those of you at home trying to sell your program, and Cal has so much to offer, but trying to sell your program to young guys who don't know yet, who aren't necessarily worldly, can be tough. And so, uh, Tell me how recruiting went in your opinion this year. Tell me about the guys that you brought in and the guys that you like. So recruiting obviously is a, is year round. We we started recruiting. I'll start with the high school class. We started recruiting those guys a, a year ago when I got here. And so to see the culmination of that 2024 class um, on, on December the 20th, right after the bowl game, you know, we're really, really excited about those, about those guys. You know, we got Josiah Martin and Tyler Knapp. Those guys are already here on campus going through uh, winter conditioning with us. So they were early graduates. So that's cool to see those guys be able to come in here and, you know, they should be, 
getting ready for prom right now in the second semester of their senior year, and instead they're downstairs getting yelled at by the strength staff. So I think it's good for them. Uh, but but then again, obviously everybody the thing that everybody's looking at now is the portal class. So that was just a whirlwind. Um, you know, between we were literally going to see portal guys that were in Texas, Louisiana, while we were in Shreveport preparing for the bowl game. Um, as soon as the bowl game was over, the high school signing period was on the 20th, but then you couldn't bring the portal guys until January the 3rd. So between, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, you've got two phones on your ears. You're calling kids, you're calling their parents, you're getting to know, you're speed dating these guys that are in the portal because you have about 10 days to sell yourself, sell your program, sell your head coach, sell your vision, and then you've got to get them on an official visit January the 3rd. You've got to get them to commit. You've got to get them to sign, move, and start class on, I believe it was January 17th. So, I mean, it just, I'm, I'm exhausted just thinking about, thinking back <laughs> to those. To I'm those exhausted days. just hearing you talk about more, it. I've got a little bit more sleep since then, but you know, we we did a good job of of going into that portal and, and getting us some guys that could help us. Another two really good experienced offensive linemen to go with those four guys I spoke about. Uh Rush Reimer from Montana State and uh Victor Stoffel was starting right tackle at uh Temple in Philadelphia. So I think that really kind of solidifies and creates a little bit more competition in the O line room this spring. And then, you know, going out and getting some receivers. That was a, a point of emphasis for us. So uh, between Tobias and uh, Mikey uh, and Jay Brady, you know, I think I think we we did a good job there. So uh, we're we're going to continue to 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 see and evaluate where we're at throughout the spring when we get back on the field and see what this competition looks like. But uh, I, I think we have a really good foundation of putting together a, a solid offense this spring, getting ready for the fall. And obviously, Jay Knott coming back is a huge deal for you yeah. offensively. He's a pretty special talent. But you got a pretty deep running back room as well, don't you? Yeah, we do. I, I, it, it's so great to, to kind of see all those guys working out right now and being healthy as deep as we kind of thought we were going to be going into last year. Yeah. Uh, just some freak, some freak things happen, and we end up, you know, really getting to the bottom of the barrel yeah. uh, in a hurry uh, last season. So – uh, so if we can keep all of those guys healthy, then uh, I think we're going to be just fine in that room. Yeah, right. You got some talented dudes, just running backs, and that's why they don't pay a premium for them in the NFL anymore. It's hard right. to keep them upright, hard to keep them healthy. They're getting smoked all the time. It's a so tough job, man. That is a tough job. You are the yeah. target when you carry that rock. So, and yeah. then you got a pass pro outside of that. That's right. You know, no, never, never bueno. So, how much of your scheme, in terms of zone read, in terms of the run reads for quarterbacks? And which, by the way, we'll talk about the quarterback. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about kind of what he needs to know in just a second. But how much of that is designed to help the running game? How much of it is designed to help the passing game? And how much can you use scheme to protect a quarterback uh, as much as just pure pass protection? Yeah, I think, you know, if you, it, again, going back to the offensive line, kind of setting the tempo for the offense, if we can control the line of scrimmage and run the football, then everything else becomes easier in, in the game. Um, if you get into a situation where you have to drop back pass every single down, which unfortunately that's the situation that you guys saw us in at the end of the the bowl game, that's that's not the way that we're built. 
we're not we're not built that way. We want to we want to put certain defenders in conflict. We want to with RPOs um, and and play action pass, and then we want to have have answers, you know, pre snap and post snap for the quarterbacks. Give those guys checks. Let them know, you know, when 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 is the right time to check a play or check a protection, and when is a good time to just let it eat. So a lot of that is just through reps, uh, through understanding situational football down in distance, uh, where we're at on the field. And and so those are all the things that we're going to be working through as as we get into spring ball. And so Fernando stepped up this year, right, as a quarterback. He was kind of the young buck, kind of big eyes, game one. But as the season went along, he, he became quite the leader. The team responded to him. Talk about what having him back, what he brings to the team, uh, what you liked about his play and what you think he can work on. Yeah, I think just obviously the the first thing that everyone's going to talk about is his leadership ability. Um, you know, being a former quarterback, that you know it's all about getting the guys around you to to believe in in the mission, and that's one thing that I love about Fernando is when we come in and we sit down and we talk ball. Uh, he is all in. You know, if I told him we were getting under center and going triple option, he would try to be the best damn triple option quarterback in America. Um, but that's just the type of guy he is. And that's the type of guy that we have to have. He understands that he's a piece of the puzzle. Now he's the piece of the puzzle that everybody's going to talk about because he's the quarterback and, you know, Jaden understands he's a piece of the puzzle, just like TJ session understands he's a piece of the puzzle. And that's what I'm really trying to get these guys to understand is the team success and, and what we do collectively, the individual accolades and success is going to come with that. You know, we go out and score 40 points a game and and win 10 football games next year. We're going to have a lot of all-conference players and, and some All-Americans. I promise you, that's the way it works. And so the more we can get those guys to to go team before self and just buy into being the best version of themselves every day, uh, the better off we're going to be. But that's that's who Fernando is. That's, yeah, that's exactly what he is. It's kind of – the modern research has shown, you know, people with the mirror neurons and the way we affect each other, right? His buy-in, his mentality of being the guy who brings it every single day, who leads by example, who's in the film room, you know, as much as he can be, who's in the weight room when he needs to be, who's out there throwing when he needs to be. Like that example and his teammates seeing that and then wanting to live up to that, I think is a big deal. And in terms of having that guy as your quarterback is way better than having another type of guy as your quarterback. Right. 100%. Yeah, and so I love that about him. Talk about uh, the receiver position. It's one spot last year. You talked, you touched on him a little bit, but it's one spot last year where I felt where we didn't get the separation that we needed. I, you know, Jay Hunt, love him, made some great catches, but he never really got the wide open ball. He never really got the wide open space that you were looking for. Um, and regardless of why that was, it makes it way easier for a quarterback when you've got yards to miss instead of inches to miss. And so talk about, an emphasis this year on receivers and what they'll be doing in terms of trying to create separation. Yeah, I think just continue to evolve formationally what we're doing, uh, continuing to grow our motion package, and then also growing our our choice package. So, you know, a lot of uh, the things that I've done in the past and and the things that I know to be successful are, you know, I can't call the perfect play. So we're going to have a lot of options. Um for tight ends, for running backs, for receivers, to where the 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 defense is going to dictate the route we run, and so 
without getting too much into it, you know, for anybody out there, any confidentiality sake, any, any, uh, <laughs> any GA at Auburn or something that's watching this podcast, you know, we're, we're going to put those guys in a position to make decisions on the fly. And we're going to trust our players to make decisions and get the ball to the right spot. So I think that'll be the biggest difference is it's not going to be as structured maybe in the past game as, Hey, you have a post and you have a post as a post as a post. No, you have a post until the middle of the field closes and then it becomes a curl. So, you know, things like that, uh, that we're going to, we're really going to focus on this spring in the past game, getting the quarterbacks receivers on the same page. And then again, the more competition we can bring in those room in that room uh, and see guys start making plays. That's, that's when I think it can really be fun. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and, uh, new faces at quarterback as well. Talk about the new guys coming in at that position uh, and what we can expect to see out of them coming in. Yeah. So, uh, Chandler obviously is here. Chandler, Started at uh, North Texas last year. Actually did not play in the game against Cal the first game of the season uh, until the very end, but then ended up having a really good year for them. Super excited uh, about about him. Uh, I actually did not coach Chandler. He was not at North Texas when I was there, so everybody just assumes like, oh, Blush is bringing his quarterback from North Texas. Uh, Chandler knows that. Fernando knows that. Shoot, I'm, I'm trying to get as many good quarterbacks in the room to make each other better. And so um, that that's that's what I'm excited about is that Fernando has shown the ability to take information and, and lead a football team, but to for him to truly grow, for Chandler to tr- uh, truly grow, there's got to be some competition in that room. And so uh, the more that they're they're working with each other, they're competing against each other. I think that just makes them both better. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and the team can see it too, right? Nobody's special and separate because everybody's competing for their job every single play. That's Talk right. about the high school kids that you're bringing into that quarterback spot. Uh, young kid out of Washington and a Southern California kid. Yeah, so those guys, I mean, obviously have super talented, have had a ton of success at the high school level. And, uh, you know, we, we we have to continue to build our room with high school players. And, and that's at every – we feel that way about every spot. We're going to continue to bring in high school quarterbacks, high school offensive linemen, high school running backs. And, uh, you know, the the more – the longer that those guys can be in the room and, and truly develop, the the better we're going to be in the, in the long haul. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be breaking down – so if anybody's watching this podcast, listening to this podcast, I'll be breaking down film on some of our recruits coming in here pretty soon. Just give you my take on it. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, right? Quarterback coach myself, and I get it, and I know the position pretty well, so I'll let yeah. you know about these guys that are coming in. Staff changes as well. You mentioned it earlier. When staff takes off, everything shuffles. Talk about new staff members, some familiar faces, and some new guys. Yeah, so uh, obviously everybody's excited. Burrell and AT are, are still in their same role, coaching the running backs and the and the receivers. Um, and then we were able to bring in uh, Sterling Gilbert, as the as the quarterbacks coach Sterling and I go way back to even when I was a player at the University of Houston he was a a young GA uh at Houston at that time and ended up coaching Texas high school football we worked together uh at a at a big 5A high school in Texas whenever we were both young young bucks coming up the ranks and then he left went to Eastern Illinois from that high school and ended up coaching Jimmy G there at Eastern Illinois uh, we ended up linking back up at Tulsa in 2015 and uh, finished top 10 in the country in total offense that year together. And he got the offensive coordinator job at the University of Texas. Uh, 
the next year from uh, with Charlie Strong. So, um, long story short, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, thank the world of him, what he's been able to do. We speak the same language. We're from the same family tree of offense. Uh, it's been a super smooth transition. We've been meeting together every day for the last two weeks, just going through, you know, verbiage and signals and calls and, you know, checks, everything that, that him and I have to be on the same page about, make sure that we're uh, getting everything communicated to those, to the players and that there's, there's, no lapse in communication between the, the players and the coaches. And then last but not least, the old Michael Safel is yeah, uh, my guy coaching the tight ends. So another Cal legend there staying on staff. And I, I can't say enough about what Mike did to help me last year as the, as the offensive line coach and the run game coordinator, you know, he was tied to my hip all season long and just did a phenomenal job. I mean, super uh intelligent young coach that I think has a has a really bright future in this profession so it's uh that that's our full full-time staff right there and and uh I'm, I'm excited to work with those guys again we talked about the players being a piece of a puzzle shoot I'm just a piece of the puzzle too I've got to have good assistance and uh we, we try to have as much fun as we can I want this to be an environment for them and their kids and 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 our players to just grow and I mean it's a it's a lot of work to prepare for a, for a football season it's a lot of work to get ready for spring ball it's a lot of work to to recruit but man we got to enjoy each other have fun being around each other and and I think we've definitely got the staff that's doing that yeah it's a huge thing and, and having guys that you like what a difference that brings in terms of chemistry on the team it keeps coming for me it always comes back to culture right how does the team interact because it doesn't matter what you have I've seen teams, I mean, there were teams, Jay Gruden in in uh, the Arena League, when he was coaching, like it was the inmates ran the asylum and those guys, they could win it. And that's one way, right? Tim Mark was the same, but Coach Daly was my coach, was all about culture, character, like great dudes. And, and so that was a big deal. And that's always been a big deal for me. That Those are the teams that are just, you think back and it's legendary, right? Those are the times that are awesome. Right. So if you can build that culture, what a difference it makes. It's what we had when I played at Cal. It's what we had when we won a world championship. It's like that, those are the teams that you get that are great. Yeah. So, well, I appreciate you coming on today, man. I, uh, I know Absolutely. you got a ton going on. I know you got a little break here. I love talking to you. I love the, I love the O-line mentality. I love the intensity and I love the Texas swag. Like that's, you know, I just dig that. I'm the outdoorsman. So that's kind of what I do, but yeah, I appreciate your time, man. I, I, no, uh, any time I appreciate you having me and, and thinking about me. Absolutely. Well, good luck coming up the spring. I'll be out there. I'll see you all the time. Yeah, can't wait. Um, to, can't wait. I'll be sticking my nose in your business. There. Yeah, I'll be sticking my nose in your business all the time. Hey, why are you guys doing this? So yeah, I'll be talking to you about it. But uh, always great brother. having you on. Yeah, all right, take thank care. Thank you very much. Well, you heard me say it at the end. Culture is everything on a team, and the mentality that Coach Bless brings, I think, is a huge deal. Obviously, I know BT Burl Toller is great Cal guy. Mike Safel, Cal guy on staff. Uh, A.T. Aristotle Thompson, also awesome. And so you got some dudes combined with Blesh that bring some real mentality, some real culture on offense. You bring the quarterback, Fernando Mendoza. He is also a guy who really brings it and exemplifies it. And the way that humans build around each other, mirror neurons, et cetera, um, I, I think we got a chance to have some real cohesiveness on that offense. I talked about it a little bit 
during the podcast. I am in, in the uh, process of writing a book, so it will be coming out this fall. I hope that all of my Cal family will be out there supporting me and buying it. It'll, uh, it's called Everyday Great. So that'll be coming up soon. Uh, and, it, and it talks about culture. A lot of good football stories, a lot of good Cal stories in there, but essentially about optimizing human performance. And so uh, in a team environment around football, I've been able to do it in the outdoors, running my own TV production company. It's been great. That said, it's been great talking to you guys today. It's been great talking to Coach Blesh. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast. I look forward to seeing more as spring ball comes up. We'll have interviews. Obviously, Sterling Gilbert, a guy that we need to talk to yet. Safel, my dude, the O-line, uh, now tight ends coach, former Cal O-liner center. Cal centers are hard to beat. Uh, we will have him on as well. But for today, I appreciate you guys watching or listening. As always, I'm Mike Pulaski for Bear Insider. Go Bears. Go Bears.